0: Today we are going to be continuing a teaching series in the book of First and Second Kings. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 20. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. I want to encourage you to bring your Bible or have a Bible app. There's just something about having the words in front of you. Um, I We're going to talk about this today as well, but we want this to be something that's more than just a Sunday morning thing or certainly something more than just you see it words on the screen once a week. Um, We want you to be growing in the Word. This is what we are as followers of Jesus, is people of His Word. So we're going to be looking in 1 Kings 20 today. Um, If you don't have a Bible and you'd like a Bible to take home and keep as yours, we'll give you a Bible. We've got some here that we'd love to... We want everyone to be in the Word, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, Last week, we kicked off this series, and here's the kind of the main idea is as we're starting kind of getting into a new year, it's always a good opportunity for us to look at, okay, where are we at in our life, in our faith, um, in our devotion to God? Is there ways that we can grow in that? Last week, we talked about this idea that our light as Jesus followers is supposed to shine in the darkness, and our world can be a dark place, and we certainly have seen that in our country over the last, well, however long you want to say, two weeks, eight months, 40 years, whatever it is. Um, but we—that that is the time when the Christ followers are supposed to stand out for the good reasons of being a light, of being the people that have hope and joy and peace, who are... Um, not oblivious to the cares of this world, but their light is not dimmed by the cares of this world. And, and what we talked about last week is I would never want it to be the case where someone walking through a dark time in their family or in their health or in their finances are just like, my world is falling apart. I need some hope. I need something bigger than just my circumstances right now. I never want it to be the case where they look at the Christ followers and they say, ah, but they are saying they're Christians, but they're just as fearful and as anxious and angry and greedy and argumentative and hate-filled as everyone else, there's nothing different there. We want the light of Jesus Christ to be what sets us apart so that we can have that impact in our world. That was last week. That's a little mini catch-up version previously at Homestead Church, one of those things. And you can always go online and, and read or listen to those sermons. Today, in 1 Kings chapter 20, um, here's, what, here's the main idea we're going to talk about is that it might be time for us to get moving again. And what I mean by that is this. 2020 was a a year, and we're still there in a lot of ways, where a lot of things just got put on hold. Um, A lot of things, you know, kids' activities and sports, a lot of them got put on hold for a while. Maybe your job, something, a situation at your job or your actual job just got put on hold for a while. Um, And the tendency can be is to go through a season like that where it kind of lulls us to sleep. And uh, we see that in distance learning at school, at home, right now. It kind of—I look in the kids' rooms, and I'm like, "You can't tell me you're in school right now. I am." Their heads are on the pillow, and their iPads are there, and I'm like, (laughs) "That's—it's that's kind of a—it's kind of a metaphor for our whole culture. Is just like it kind of gets lulled to sleep. And what happens is when you get in a situation like that for too long, you kind of get used to it right? You kind of get used to it and you think, oh, it's going to be funny. The first time when our kids go back to school like five days a week all day, they're going to be exhausted. They're like, when's nap time? <laughs> uh, normally I'm four naps in by the time I get to math class. It kind of lulls us to sleep, and this applies to every part of our life, is that we can get used to that and it becomes an excuse for inactivity of just, oh, we're just waiting for the world to you know, figure this out. And once once Corona's over, then we'll start doing this again. And, and there's some things that are, that's legitimate. But I want to encourage us in our faith today of just, it might be time to start moving again. To not allow 2020 to be something that just lulls us to sleep. And this is the story we're looking at in First Kings. The story, a little background to the story here, is this is the nation of Israel. The books of First and Second Kings really are, if you're not familiar with kind of the Old Testament uh, history of Israel. There was kind of the glory days of Israel where King David and King Solomon, and they were victorious and prosperous, and they build the temple. That was kind of like the mountaintop for Israel. Well, then and after Solomon, the kingdom splits into two. They kind of have a civil war, and there's a northern kingdom of Israel and a southern kingdom of Judah. And then each of those has their own kings. And really, the book of First uh, and Second Kings is really a lot of the stories of these kings. Some are good, some, a lot of them are wicked in their heart, and they lead the nation of Israel away from God into idolatry. And that is kind of where we're at today in 1 Kings. It's the story of the northern kingdom, Israel, um, also known as Samaria, and King Ahab. And a- King Ahab is not a good, righteous king. Um, he is one that leads the nation into idolatry. He himself is an idol worshiper. And what happens is that the surrounding nations, the enemy nations, King Ben-Hadad of Aram, what would be today Syria, um, assembles his army and comes and attacks Samaria, comes and attacks Israel and prepares for war and prepares to conquer the northern kingdom of Israel. This is where we pick up the story, and I'm going to read starting in verse 1 of First Kings chapter 20. Now, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mustered his entire army accompanied by 32 kings with their horses and chariots. In other words, this was a big force, a big army. He went up and besieged Samaria and attacked it. He sent messengers into the city to Ahab, king of Israel, saying, This is what Ben-Hadad says. Your silver and gold are mine, and the best of your wives and children are mine. And the king of Israel, king Ahab, answered, just as you say, my lord, the king, I and all I have are yours. We're going to pause there for a moment. First of all, this is weird to read for a couple of reasons. And when we try to read this in our current culture, there's a lot of times people will, in our current culture will read stuff in the Old Testament and be like, that's terrible. Why would the king be like, okay, take our wives and our kids That's okay, right? Why would he be okay with that? Well, first of all, this, and and there's times when you read the Old Testament and you apply it to our current culture, you're like, that's terrible. Why would God allow that? Or why would, that doesn't make any sense. Well, first of all, it's important to recognize a few things when we read something like this. First of all, in this story, it shows the condition of King Ahab's heart, doesn't it? That he's willing to be like, oh, all you want is the women and children? That's fine. Take them as long as you're not hurting me. Okay, there's that element of it. But also, a bigger picture is this is indicative of just a culture that was very different than ours right now. Hopefully, very different than ours right now, where there was little to no value placed on women and children. So it was almost just like, oh, that's fine. You can take those. It was just this, it was indicative of a culture. There are times where you apply Old Testament to our culture and say, that doesn't make any sense. What is, what's interesting to read throughout the Old Testament, this is just kind of a little side note. When you read through the Old Testament, and even the New Testament, Jesus certainly did this. God is always at work in an evil culture that's not valuing human life. He's always kind of encouraging them, and it takes them a long time to learn this. Jesus, in the day and age when he was walking around, there was not a lot of value placed on women and children. He's always, God is at work always moving that culture towards valuing life, right? So that was also at work here. But finally, what you see in these first few verses when uh, King Ahab is just like, you know what? come in silver gold women children take it really what's happening here is this in addition to these other things is ahab is recognizing this is a hopeless situation right if there's a if there's a big muscular guy that comes up to me and says i'm going to beat you up unless you give me your money I, I'm going to see that as, yeah, yeah, I'm probably going to give you the money because clearly I am no match for you. Clearly I am no match for you. This is an indication that Ahab was recognizing this is a big army. We can't really resist, so kind of whatever they want. It's a hopeless situation. So this is the setup of the story. This is where we head now to verse 6 because this is where the the trash-talking starts. Bible version of trash-talking. You watch you know, some of those football games yesterday or you watch other sporting events and there's always the trash talkers out there. Well, they've never met Bible trash talkers. Here's, I'm kind of saying that jokingly because you'll understand in a moment. It says this in verse six. Because then Be- what happened was King ben haddad after King Ahab said, okay, come take whatever you want. He came back the next day and had more demands. And this is uh, verse 6. But about this time tomorrow, this is Ben-Hadad saying this, about this time tomorrow, I'm going to send my officials to search your palace and your house officials, and they will seize everything you value and carry it away. So he's coming at him like, I know you said first time, great, take silver and gold, women and children. Now we're going to come back again, and we're going to take anything we want. He's kind of, you know, changing the, the terms of the deal. And the king of Israel summoned all the elders of the land and said to them, See how this man is looking for trouble? When he sent for my wives and my children, my silver and my gold, I did not refuse him. And the, elders respond, and the elders and all the people answered, Don't listen to him or agree to his demands. So he replied to Ben-Hadad's messengers, And tell my lord and king, Your servant will do all that you demanded the first time. The first time was fine when it was just the women and children and silver and gold. But this demand I cannot meet. And they left and took the answer back to Ben-Hadad. And then Ben-Hadad sent another message to Ahab. There's where the trash talking starts. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if enough dust remains in Samaria to give each of my men a handful. Ooh, that's serious. Those them's fighting words. I mean, in in other words, Ben-Hadad is saying, we're going to wipe you out and all that's going to be left is dust. Then the king of Israel answered, will tell him, oh yeah, you tell him that my dad can beat up your dad. No, that's not what he said. You tell him, one who puts on his armor should not boast like one who takes it off. Ooh, those are fighting words. Kids, you should try that at the playground if you ever get back to the playground. If you ever get out of your bed and go to school again. Well, I mean, essentially what he's saying is, one who, what did he say? One who puts on his armor should not boast like one who takes it off. In other words, you're boasting and you haven't even put on your armor yet. Fight hasn't even started yet. You can boast when you take off your armor because if you've been in a battle and you're at the point where you take off your armor, that means the battle is over and you're not dead. And so then that's a good time to boast, right? So this is all the trash talking that's going on. So here we are, we're facing this battle. King Ahab in Israel is looking at this mighty army, and they're saying, okay, we've now stood up to them. We're going to have to fight them, but there's no way we can win this battle. There's no way we can win this. And then this is what happens, and here's the main idea I want to focus on today in verse 13. Meanwhile, a prophet came to Ahab, king of Israel, and announced, this is what the Lord says. Do you see this vast army? I will give it into your hand today, and then you will know that I am the Lord. So this is good news. And Ahab says this, but who will do this, asked Ahab. And the prophet replied, this is what the Lord says. The junior officers under the provincial commanders will do it. In other words, this is going to be easy. You don't even need to send the main, you can send the junior varsity, and they're going to take out this mighty army because this is what the Lord has declared. And then here's what happens after the prophet says this to Ahab. Ahab says this, and who will start the battle, he asked. And the prophet answered, you will you will. Now, when I read that a few weeks ago, it jumped out at me. And here's why it jumped out. Because imagine you're King Ahab for a moment, and you're facing this mighty army, and God has shown up, and the the words of the prophet have said, God's going to make you victorious over this mighty army. And you can even send the junior varsity, and they're going to be victorious. In that moment, you can have all the faith in the world, right? Yes, God, go. We believe it. Go get them, God. Right? But then he says, okay, who's going who's to start this battle? And God says, you're going to start the battle. It's a whole other step of faith. It's a whole other amount of trust that you have in God when you're walking out there to pick a fight. You have to know that God is going to provide victory when you walk out and start picking a fight with the Aramites. Right? you got to know that. That's a whole different deal. There is a whole different deal to our faith when it comes time for us to act in our faith. Victory can be assured and we can say, God, great, you're going to provide, but who's going to start the battle? You are. God's saying, you're going to do it because that's how you're going to show that you trust that I've provided the victory for you. God had assured victory to Ahab. However, there was a step that God asked Ahab to take. God asked Ahab to go start the battle. And this is not insignificant because God always asks us to take a step When he's provided victory, God might be doing something in your life where he says, I provided for you. I promised to provide. We've been singing today. You're always going to be faithful. And there's always going to be a time where God says to you, okay, now you have to go and step. You have to go and move. Otherwise, faith is just words. It's just thoughts. If we're never acting on it, it's one thing to know that God provides for you. It's another thing to act on it because you know it that you know it. It's causing you to act. There's uh, There's a verse... In the book of James in the New Testament, and you maybe have heard this before, faith without works is dead, is dead. Okay, so a lot of people talk about that verse in James chapter 2. Faith without works is dead because it gets kind of misunderstood sometimes where we talk about, well, does that mean that we have to work in order to be saved? Does that mean we have to do all the right behaviors? And if we do enough righteous things, then God says, yes, you've earned salvation. No, James writes, no, that's not what we're talking about here. We are saved through faith in Jesus Christ by the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ alone. That's how we are saved. However, if you are saying that you're filled with faith and you never act on it, do you really have faith? Imagine you're walking in a big, like a, a mountain, a trail through the mountains, and you come up to this cliff, and there's this like 100-foot canyon ahead of you on this big cliff, and going over the canyon is this rickety rope bridge, and the tour guide you're with says, that bridge is fine, it's going to hold you. And you say, yes, I believe that that bridge is going to hold me just fine. Great. That faith is only so real and relevant when you're standing on the, on the edge of the mountaintop, right? When does that faith actually become real? When you step out onto that bridge. Faith in the bridge without walking on the bridge is dead. It's just It's just words, it's just thought. This is what God is teaching Ahab. This is what God, through his word, is teaching you and me today. That there is promises and God is gonna provide, but he always has a step for you. And I think, too often, I've seen this in my heart, and maybe that's the case in your heart, is you've been given a promise from God, or you've been given a challenge by God, or God has called you to do something. God has called you to make a change in your life, or in your family, or in your heart, or something that God has asked you to do. And what we love to do as Christians is we come into a church service like this and hands are up and like, yes, Lord, our hearts are yours and we will give it all for you and we want to follow you and there's nothing that we won't do and you have our heart and everything you want and it just kind of stays there. Yes, Lord, I'm open to change. Change me. Yes, Lord, I receive your promises. Yes, Lord, have your way and do whatever you like and then we wait and we wait and we wait for God to do it. Okay, God. My heart is yours. I want you to change my heart. So change it. Right? Yes, Lord, I want everything I have is yours. So do that thing that you said you were going to do. And all the while, God is saying, okay, yeah, we're going to do that. But you got to step out. You got to face the enemy. You got to pick a fight. You got to step onto that bridge. You got to put your faith in action. And then God's going to move. But this is how God does it. And it's super annoying that he does that, right? It's super annoying. I want it to be like, God, do everything. If I was Ahab, it would be like, okay, yes, God's going to provide victory. So, yes, God, wipe them out. Make it super easy so that when I wake up tomorrow, they're all gone. No, it's go pick a fight, and then the victory is going to come. Let's not get stuck in waiting for God to do it all or thinking that God's going to do it all. God always has a step for us. God is not an enabling parent that's going to just do everything for their kids. And this could be a practical thing for us parents. Like, what do we want our kids to do? We want them to grow, right? There's, we, I said this first service, there's lots of times where our kids, whatever kid it is, their room is a disaster. And we're like, you got to clean your room. And there's a lot of good intentions. Yes, father. Yes, my Lord, my father, I will clean my room. And then it's just laying in the bed, doing nothing. Well, that's, that's just a lot of, that's just a lot of talk, right? Right, right. Well, as parents, it does us no good to say, oh, I'm so tired of that room, I'm just going to go clean it for them. No, we want them to actually grow and to do it. This is why we are growing kids to be fully functioning adults with clean rooms. And then you would say, well, Jeff, is your room clean? And I'll say, never mind, it's not important. God's not the enabling parent that's going to do everything for us. He wants us to grow. He wants us to take a step. And you see that throughout stories in the Old Testament right? He called Abraham to go take this, to take his family and to become a great nation. Well, it wasn't just like, just wait right there, Abraham, watch what I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. It's you got to go and you got to move. That's a step of faith. Noah had to build the ark. You know, it would have been one thing, like if I'm Noah, I'm like, great, tomorrow we're going to wake up and God's going to have built the ark and we're going to know that he's with us. No, he had to spend a long time building that ark, trusting that God was going to come through. Moses, when he's leading the Israelites out of Egypt and they get to the Red Sea and God parts the waters, when does the water part? When they step into the water, right? It's one thing to say, okay, once everything is parted and clear sailing, then we're going to go. It's another thing to say, as soon as we step into the water, we're trusting that God is going to do it. But this is when our faith becomes real. Joshua and the Israelites had to march around the city seven times, and that's when the miracle happened. And King Ahab when victory was promised by God, he still had to go pick a fight. He still had to go take that step. This is what God asks us to do. Not because he's difficult, because he wants us to grow in our faith. And faith without acting on it is just words. It's just thoughts. We got to step out and do this. There's a story in the book of Acts, another time where there was that step that, that was required. And this story haunts me. And I'm going to read it, and I'm going to see if you can kind of see why this story is kind of difficult for me. And maybe you've thought of the same thing. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. This is the disciples after Jesus has ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit has come. The disciples are filled with faith, and they're going around, and they're praying, and they're preaching, and people are getting saved. And this is what happens in Acts chapter 3, verse 6. They come up to a man who is crippled. He's lame. He's been lame since birth, and he sits and begs for money, and he asks the disciples for money. He can't walk. He's asking for money. And then this is what happens in verse 6 of Acts chapter 3. Then Peter said to this man, silver and gold do I not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Then, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And then the story goes on. He ran around and celebrating because he had been healed. Why does that story haunt me? Because I put myself in that situation, and I think... When did the miracle happen? Look at that story. When did the miracle happen? They went up and they prayed for this person. And had the miracle happened yet? No. Then they reached down and they pulled him up. And then it says, and then instantly his legs and his feet became strong. That's when the miracle happened. So, would, would it have happened if they just prayed? And I don't know. But the way that's worded in there, I don't think it's coincidental. And that's what haunts me is because if I put myself in that situation in today's world and I'm walking just up to someone who needs a physical healing, if I'm in that, in that moment and there's a crippled man who hasn't walked a day in his life, I think of what I would do. And it would probably look like this. Like, hey, let's pray for you. We believe that God can heal you. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name you'd be healed. Amen. Then what happens? Then I probably would say, we believe that God is moving and maybe your healing will happen tomorrow or when you get to heaven or we're going to keep praying. If there's anything, we can, anyone have any silver or gold we could help this guy with? It was great praying for you. See you later. Peace out. I'm out, right? That, and when I'm being super honest, that's probably what I do. It's a whole other deal to say in Jesus' name, amen. Give me your hand. Let's get up and walk. And the Bible says that's when the miracle took place. There is a step that, that's hard for me, because I'm like, I want to have that kind of faith that says, get up. We prayed, we believe it. I want to have that kind of faith that says, I know God's provided victory, let's go. I know that God's promised to provide, so let's give. That's a whole other different deal. I don't want us to get lulled to sleep in our faith like everything else has kind of been lulled to sleep. We're like, oh, someday God's going to do it. Someday we'll get there. You know, Lord, if you want to do that, just do it, and then, I'll, and then I'll follow. That's not how God works. It's, I promise this, now get moving. Take a step. There's something about that step that activates our faith. The step shows that our faith is real, and God always responds to faith that is real, faith in action. So the takeaway is this, it might be time to start moving again. Don't wait for God to do everything. God's not going to do everything. He's going to have something for you to do. He's going to do all the defeating and providing and healing, but you've got to take a step. It's a pretty easy trade when you think about who's doing the heavy lifting, but he still asks us to take that step. I was thinking about this building and the journey of getting into this building. This was a huge faith journey for our church and for Christy and I. If you're new to this church, we've been in this building for about seven or eight months. June we got in, and it was a year-long renovation project, and it was a battle. It was a faith journey for us, um, for Christy and I. Now, just Christy and I's personality, if you know us, you know this. She's, she's dreams, vision, faith, let's go. She'd have been picking a fight with, with Ben Haddad long before anything. And I'm a little slower on the trigger, right? I'm kind of like, well, I like to overthink things and overprocess process and, and pick up all the pieces of Christie's visions and dreams and <laughs> try to make some of them come to, you know. We joke about that, we joke about that. She's always ahead of me on this. I'm slower, I overthink. I think too much about what could go wrong. I think about all the work involved. As another example, we've been wanting to get a gas fireplace in our living room for about 15 years. And right about now, this week, I'm like, I think we should do that. And Christy's like, great. She's like, I've I've long moved on from that. She's already thinking about the gas fireplace in our next house that she wants to get. Um, here's the thing with this building, it was a it was a step of faith. This building was old. I mean, it's old. It's 140 years old. It was run down. A lot of work that needed to be done, um, and an owner that owned it that didn't want to sell it to us, right? So. We're looking at that, and here's how the process went. I, com- I was praying, and we were praying, and here's how it works with me. I'm like, God, and this is fine. This, you see this in Scripture. God, if this is what you want us to do as a church, direct us there. Give us a sign. And if, if you're in it, we're in. We'll do it. I'm not, I'm not, if you're in it, but if this is something that is a bad idea, give us a sign and we'll find something else. And Christy and I were on the same page. So we prayed those prayers, and here's what happened. Now, I want to tell you the circumstances so that you can put yourself in the leaders of this church and decide, is this God saying, yes, go, or is this God saying, bad idea, stop, okay? We talked to the owner, and the owner says, I'm not selling you that building. And then we talked to the city, and they're like, we can't help you. It's the owner's can do whatever we want. And we talk about renting it. owner's like, not doing that. And then we talk to an engineer to come in to look at the building to see if it's even going to stand up. And the engineer's just like, "Ooh, I'm not sure about this. And then we talked to a different uh, person in commercial real estate. And he called someone else and said, we can't let them buy that building. That's a bad idea. And then we talked to a lender to lend us money. And they looked at all the numbers. And they're like, yeah, we're going to decline this. So we talked to another lender. And they're like, yeah, this is going to take way more money than what you think to fix this, so no, we'll pass on that. And so there was all these, all these things. Bad reports about the engineers, um, lending options, 140-year-old building owned by a guy who doesn't want to sell it to us. Okay, so here's my problem with faith, right? <laughs> I'm looking at that, and I'm praying, and I'm like, okay, is this God saying, it doesn't matter, I'm in it. Move forward, I'm going to provide. Or is this God saying, it's a bad idea, stop sign, there's something else for you, just wait for the promise I have for you, don't get caught up in this building. Two very different courses of action, right, like opposites, and I'm like, I don't know which one it is, (laughs) right, I don't know, but we kept praying, the leaders of this church kept praying, And and that was a big struggle. Two opposite messages that God could be saying, and we just kept praying, and here's what happened. It, it, there was times, honestly, there was times where I was doing like some of us do, like, God, just make it easy for me. And I would pray, this is no joke, God, God, just have somebody, put it on somebody's heart to buy us this building. <laughs> then I'll know. <laughs> then I'll know that you're in it. God, just, there was times where I'm like, God, what I, what I need is, is someone to say, I want to buy you that building, and here's a million dollars to renovate it. I know you can do it, Lord. I know you can do it. And then I'll know that you're in it, right? In other words, my prayer was, God, make it super easy for me. Make it super easy for me so that we know, so we don't have to do anything difficult, so we don't have to risk making a mistake or risk doing something difficult. That didn't happen. So clearly, some of you were not listening when God was prompting you to give us a million dollars and buy this building. But here's what I've learned through that journey. It's not it's not supposed to be easy. God's not going to make it easy. And here's what happened. As, as we kept praying, we really came down to, again, Christy was five dreams down the road by the time I was starting to get caught up to what God was doing in her heart. But I was praying, and I finally got to the point where I'm like, okay, I know. And the elders of the church and staff, they were on board. And we said, we've prayed, and we really feel like in times of prayer, God put this vision in our hearts that this was going to be the place. So let's start moving forward. Let's start moving forward. And as we started moving forward, as we started raising money, as we, all of a sudden, about this time of year, a couple of years ago, the owner just calls me up out of nowhere and says, so what's it going to take to sell you this building? And I'm like, well, return my phone calls would be a start. <laughs> and he said, I'll sell it to you for this much. And it was l- way less than what we had thought we were going to pay And we're like, yes, we'll take it. And then we found a, a third lender that said, yeah, this looks great. Let's do it and then the engineers and we hire i mean god provided and it was as we as we took steps of faith as a church and all of a lot of you were a part of that giving money towards this and we saw testimonies of god providing in your families and we made a faith commitment to give to this building project that was a bit of a stretch for us and we saw god provide in ways we would have never saw possible. It was as we started moving, that's when the miracles started happening. It was weird how God does it this way. I want you to trust that this victory is yours, so go start the battle. Go take that step. Go do the thing. Show me that you are, don't just sit there and say, God, make it easy and do everything for me, and then we're going to go. It's start showing that you trust God enough to start going, to start moving, to start raising the money and to start making the phone calls and to do the things. Obviously, we need wisdom and prayerful consideration. And there are times when God says, let's hold off, it's not timing yet. And this was this building was an example of six years about of God saying, not quite ready yet, not quite ready yet. And, and, uh, and Christy, in addition to being very impatient with me, was also impatient with God at times. Here's the thing, we need to just start moving forward, and I think God is going to provide and move when we show that our faith is strong enough for us to take a step and to move. So don't let 2020 lull you to sleep in your faith. Reactivate your faith. Move. The dreams that God gave you maybe years ago, don't just sit and think, well, everything's on hold, and whenever God decides to do that, I'll do it, you know. No, Reignite those things that God, that promise that God has put in your heart maybe years ago, and say, What step can I take? God, if you're in this, we're in it. Let's go. Let's take a step. Let's pick a fight. Let's walk around the wall. Let's put our feet in the Red Sea. So, how we contextualize this message today for anyone watching or in the room today is is unique for your situation. So what is going on in your heart and in your faith? Maybe it's God, you're calling me. You might be praying, God, you're calling me to make this change in my life that it's going to be hard. God, you're calling me to make this change in my family and it's going to be hard, but you've promised to walk with me, to do it, and we're going to get through it. So who's going to take the first step? And God says, well, you are. You are. Maybe it's, God, you're calling me to be generous with my resources and you've promised to provide, so who's going to give that money away? You are. God's saying you are. The miracle is there, but you're going to start. You're going to be generous to your neighbors and to to whatever God has put on your heart to live generously. God, you're calling me to be a light in my workplace or in my school if I ever get back to school or my neighborhood, and you, you want me to be a light and to share my faith, and you've promised that... Those steps of sharing my faith are going to bear fruit and that you're going to move in the hearts of people and people are going to get saved. That's great. So who's going to start up the conversation? You are, right? There's times where I, again, embarrassing moments of faith where I'm talking to a stranger somewhere and I'm like, am I supposed to share my faith with that person? And I pray this lame prayer. God, if you want me to share my faith, have them bring it up. And then... (laughs) Lord, let them say something about Jesus. <laughs> Fuck, that's dumb. You know what? Just sh- take that step, you know? Maybe your thing is, God, you've called me to take that step of faith or to, to start a career or start a business or write a book or lead something or take that step to, to reach out my hand and pull up the man who's been lame since birth. But, but who's going to make that first step? You are. You are. And here's where we're going to want to end with today. God, I want to, maybe your prayer is, God, I just want to grow in my faith. I'm tired of my faith just being so stagnant and empty and just a Sunday thing. I want to get into your word in Bible reading and prayer. So, Lord, let's do it. So, who's going to open my Bible? You are, right? God, if you want me to be in your word, just cause my Bible to open in the morning and cause me to miraculously wake up a half hour before my alarm goes off and just make it super easy. no. Maybe the step is just simply set your alarm a little earlier, get a Bible, and start reading it. Spend a half an hour every morning and say, yeah, it's going to be hard. There's going to be days where there's distractions. I don't feel like doing it. But man, that could be a very practical step of God. I I know you're going to do great things in causing my faith to grow and to be strengthened. So what's the first step? It's going to be just spending some time in prayer and in the Word of God. We need to have this be a part of our life more than just what you're experiencing here on Sunday morning. And it can't just be talk. It can't just be on Sundays where we say, God, I'm all yours. I want to grow and follow you. Yes, amen, we'll see you next Sunday. It's, what are we going to do with it? Take a step. Grow. Do the thing. God's not going to do everything for you. What can you do that will cause a step to be taken? So here's what we have um, ahead of us. 2021 can be a a great year of just reactivation for your faith and all the dreams and, and purposes and plans that God's put on your heart. But he's not going to do everything for you. He's not going to make it easy for you because he wants us to grow. So here's what we're going to do in February. And there's a slide that we can throw up that just kind of has a couple little things on it. In February, we want to just kind of dedicate the month to just kind of prayer, worship, Bible focus. So one of the things we're going to do is first Friday on February 5th, we're going to have a prayer and worship night here. And we're actually going to do that. First Fridays are just going to be thing that we do. I mean, hopefully, very rarely will be a time where we can, and you can find all these on our Facebook page or on our website or on our new Homestead Church app that we're just about ready to release. Yes, we're, ooh, yes. It's very fancy around here. Um, First Fridays are always going to be just a time where we gather here and we spend time in worship and prayer. Um, And then we're also going to have, through the app and through Instagram and social media, just different ways for us to have a daily prayer emphasis, 28 days of just praying for our community, praying for our church, praying for the families in our church. There's going to be ways for us as families to sign up for a certain day that we can pray. Um, There's going to be Wednesday night prayer times. I have in my notes here from 7 to 8. And then Christy put on there from 6 to 8. So clearly, we were not on the same page. So 6.30 sounds like a good compromise. No, I don't know. We'll figure out the time. But every Wednesday night through February, we're just going to have a time of prayer here. It's it's not going to be fancy. You don't got to come for the whole time. But if you want to just come and pray, we want to grow as a people of prayer. We want to pray for needs. We want to grow in our heart of prayer and trusting in God. Um, We are going to have a time of fasting. um, And this is something that's probably new to a lot of us however you want to do this, here's what I do know at the very least. I Wednesday the 17th, and I didn't tell anybody about this, so it's not on the slide, but Wednesday the 17th of February, I just kind of set that aside as, as a day of fasting. And so for me, I'm just not going to eat that day. And there's going to be other times where I'll skip a meal and other things, and you might want to do something different. You might want to fast social media or all media. You might want to do something different. But I would love it is... If as many people as possible, on Wednesday the 17th, we just said, this is, a, this is kind of like a, a holy day where we're going to set that day aside. You might still have to go to work or school or all those things. But to just say, I'm going to fast that day, I think we could do that. It's not going to be easy. It's not one of those, God, if you want me to fast, cause the fridge to not be able to open that day. No, just set some time aside. So that's what I'm going to do on Wednesday the 17th. I invite you to join me. Um, We are going to just have some times where we spend time in prayer as a way to just cover our church and our families in prayer, but also as a way to say, we need this to kind of get a kickstart. We need to take a step and grow in this area of our faith. And finally, we're going to have another scripture memory challenge. Yes, we have done this four or five times in the past where we have a passage of scripture that we as a church memorize. Some of you said, I've been here for years and I've never memorized a passive scripture. Exactly. We've not taken that step to do it. It's not been well received. And I, here's what, I talk to grown-ups all the time and they're like, I can't memorize things. We can memorize things, right? It just means we'll forget a child's name. It's like the hard drive is full and new information means that passwords have to go out, which I've already forgotten all my passwords anyways. Here's the deal. We can memorize scripture. Philippians 2, 1 through 18, 18 verses that we're going to memorize as a church. Kids and youth are joining us too, and they're going to put us to shame. They are going to memorize this quick. Philippians 2, 1 through 18, whatever translation you want, um, I'll be in the NIV translation, but that's I think, a verse every five days between now and Easter, and we'd have that passage of Scripture memorized. It's a step we can take to get the Word of God in us. So this is, a, this is a time in the month of February where we can just take those steps to grow in our faith. Just something really practical, really simple that we can do. Are you with me? Yeah? All right, we can do this. Because if you want to grow in your faith, and we know that God is with us, we, He's not going to do everything for us. We have to take a step. So it's time for us to start that battle, or to take that step, or to cross that bridge or to start that conversation, whatever it is that God's put on your heart today. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. And I pray that you would do an individual work of, of this story and this principle in Scripture in the book of First Kings that we read today, this story of, of a king that knows that you have provided victory, yet you still call him to go out and start the battle to take that step of trust and faith. Whatever that looks like in our circumstance today, Lord, in our family, in our workplace, in our heart, areas of compromise that you've called us to take those steps to get accountability in our life so that we could finally get victory over this area of our heart, to finally make a call to get some help for an addiction that we have, for finally taking a step where we allow times of prayer and Bible reading to be a real part of our daily life for a conversation that we need, to, that we know we need to have with someone that you've called us to, to reach out in our faith to, to care for someone who we are praying for that you've called us to reach down give them a hand and say let's stand up we're believing that God's going to heal you these steps of faith God we want to take them we're not going to be content to be lulled asleep and be lazy in our faith and wait for you to do everything if you're calling us to go we're going to go as a church collectively Lord we know that in this year and the years to come there's going to be things that you've called us to do that are difficult difficult and we want to be people of faith that we take the step in generosity and obedience and trust, knowing that you're going to provide the miracles as we move forward. So as it, if it's planting other churches, if it's whatever it is impacting our community, uh, however that looks like, God, we need to be people who are ready to step and trust you. So, Lord, do that work in us, in our families, in our kids. Help us to, to train our kids and to teach our kids to be people of great faith and to trust you, God. So, Lord, do that work in our hearts, and we are committed to follow you. And, Lord, we want to take that step. Even this week, whatever that first step is, Lord, remind us of that, and we'll do it. We'll be obedient. We trust you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen.